to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. Hi, Becky, how are you? I am really good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. I'm good, thank you. Um, so, I just first of all, I just want to say that um, obviously we go way back, um, and you're going to remind me of when because I can't remember. I can tell you, but exactly. you can tell me because it's quite a big significance to that, isn't it? It is. Um, but um, uh, you know, I just wanted to say to the listeners that we're t- today we're here to talk about imposter syndrome in particular. And to hear from you your own ex- your personal experiences with the imposter syndrome, how you've combat those, and um, any advice um, for the listeners. But I also just wanted to be- give a bit of context that we're just going to have a chat today, um, because I know that, and, and it's the same for me, a bit of imposter syndrome started to kick in already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to try and relax you a little bit if I can. Yep. Um, that we're just going to have a chat, we pretend that these, you know, the podcast equipment, the cameras and everything, it's not here, it's just me and you having a chat because it'd be really nice to try and share your really kind of like um, uh, authentic experiences um, with everyone and that's where we find that these podcasts really add value to the community um, and I'm going to be as open um, and authentic as I can as well. I'll cringe afterwards. Well, I just won't even listen to it again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so, okay. so Becky, you, you are um, Delivery Director at SSS Public Safety yes. currently. Um, so it might be just worthwhile um, initially to start with if you just do a little introduction of how you got to where you are today um, and just give the listeners a bit of context to your okay. background. Right, so I started at SSS Public Safety in January this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, what I felt at the time was a huge step up for me because prior to that I'd been working in project management, prior, uh, program management, I was head of change uh, delivery in an IT department at a university not too far from here. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, SSS Public Safety, for those that don't know, um, we deliver software solutions to emergency services. So we work primarily with the police, with uh, ambulance and with fire rescue services, as well as some of the more national agencies across the country. And we provide basically their control room software um, into them. It's a really good environment to be in. Um, You really feel like that whilst it's um, a private sector environment, you're working with the public sector. uh, And that draws on a lot of my background and my experience of working across both um, both sectors in a range of different areas. Um, I've spent 25 years in Leeds now. Wow. So I moved here in 1998 for a role in IT. Uh, and in that time, I've worked in telecoms, I've worked in uh, higher education, mm-hmm. I've worked in the gambling sector, financial so services. Had a bit of a well, that's when yeah. we... That's when we spoke, wasn't it? When yes, you it was. And, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, we've, we've been in contact for, for many, many years. Ten years ago today, wow. I left William Hill right. to come back to the UK for the job with Equifax. Okay. okay. Mm. And it was through you that I got that job. Mm. So this, yeah. it would have been sort of September, October time. Gosh, ten years. In 20, wow. was it? Where are we now? 2013? 2013, yeah. 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 So it was, it was 10 years ago that, uh, that I finished. And that was as a project manager role, wasn't yes, it, it was. at the time? Yeah, yeah. fantastic. And that so was a fantastic... So, like, yeah. it's amazing your development, your personal development and your career growth is fantastic. And this is where the imposter syndrome kicks in, because I don't see that. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, and, no, it's, I d- it's, and I sit there and go, okay, and then I know I've done good things in my career, but I don't see what other people see. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's a, it is a challenge every day to... 
remind yourself that actually what I think isn't what other people see. Yeah, 100%. We were talking a little bit about a little bit about that earlier, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so, as I said, this episode um, is we really want to hone in and focus on your experiences with imposter syndrome. Um, and I think a good place, or we, we've touched on it a little bit, a good place to start is just learning more about your direct experiences with imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, how has it how has it affected you? Um, and if we can um, give some examples, I think that would be really useful, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course it. not, of course <laughs> not. Um, I mean, the obvious one that, you know, I suspect quite a few people could identify with is, is not going after those opportunities, mm. those jobs that you sit there and think, oh, really good if I could if I could do that uh, and not having enough uh, belief in yourself and your own capabilities to be able to apply for a role be successful at it uh, and you know actually ultimately take them up on it so it's not being able to uh, sit there and go right okay I can do that job yeah. you know uh, you don't have to meet the job specs 100% I've taught myself that obviously I was reading up about the female psyche in particular mm. and how they apply for jobs and how they read job specs. And even if, you know, we're doing the delivery director role, when I looked at the job spec, I knew I could do sort of 70, 80% of it off the bat, mm-hmm. but it was still a push for me to apply for it because I couldn't do 100%. And I actually drew that out in the interview as well. You know, when they said, you know, where do you, where's your areas of weaknesses? And I said, well, actually, I've not worked in a client management um, role before so uh, the financial management aspect of the role will be relatively new to me principles I can I'm sure I'd be able to bring transferable learning to however it's not something I'm strong at so I was putting myself down in that interview you know Uh, and it's it's quite uh, it's it's been prevalent all the way through my career I have been to interviews before now where I have read the body language of the person in the room for whatever and reason. assumed that as a negative. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and I will quite literally trip over myself and stop mm. myself from being able to answer something because what I'm seeing does not, um, does not compute. Yeah. I think what you said there earlier about the job application and how you looked at the job description and you're like, 70% of it I can do, the rest no talked about that in the interview Mm -hmm. um i think what i take from that is that that's a really authentic um like positive trait um and you know from a because it's not it's not saying you can't do that but it's you don't have experience in those areas but you recognize that you're self-aware um you have that awareness um and here's why i think that I know I can do that um, or deliver on those, like the client management side of things. And obviously, you, you started that in January, you're nearly a year in, and you have been doing that and you have been doing it successfully. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's know, something we have to take time out to remind ourselves of. Absolutely. Um, but how much of, how many people, I know, because I know I've done this myself, where you sit there and you go, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you overplay it, you over-dramatise it in your mind, you know, and you start to uh, over-analyse what other people have said to you about certain things, uh, and you actually build your own walls to stop you from doing things again, and you, and you start to become more fear, fearful of going into that, that kind yeah. of area. Yeah, absolutely. It's that classic um, overthinking mm-hmm. and um, caring too much about what others think. Yes. 
um, and it's that that and that that's when you get that inner voice, yes. isn't it? Your inner voice saying, um, you know, can I actually do this? Am I actually any good at this? Like, and then it's like what you said earlier as well is that you know you can, and you know you are good at what you do, but you're constantly battling with that inner voice. Yes. Um, and how do you have you developed any tools or techniques that you think have kind of helped you? negate some of that or um to a degree yes mm-hmm. um part of it is is about that inner self-belief um i know we'll come on to it later but we would you know while i was studying for my master's my mba um i learned a lot about myself and about my leadership style and so much of what we do um so much of imposter syndrome is tied to who we think we are and being able to identify the type of leader that I am has meant that actually there are areas in my life where I have not too much confidence, but I have more confidence now uh, because I know who I am. I know my leadership style. I know uh, what values are important to me. I know what I won't compromise on. And through doing that, and, and this, was, this, was, this was only one module uh, in the entire course, mm-hmm. I learned so much about myself that it had a positive impact on my role at the university uh, and in subsequent roles with SSS that's just made a world of difference because I'm not compromising who I am Mm. and I've learned now that you know being yourself being as you keep saying your most uh, authentic self Mm -hmm. is the most important thing to that because if you keep pretending you are something and a lot of us have said fake it till we make it you'll fake it till you make it that's still reinforcing the fact that you are a fake that you're going to be found out and actually you have to change your mindset and become change that inner critic to be your inner cheerleader so that you actually become more uh, positive in your own thinking about what you can do and instead of thinking about what i can't do you change it to this is what i can do absolutely and i think it's recognizing um you know we all have we all have weaknesses we can't do it all and we're not perfect we're only human we're not perfect at everything that we do or all the aspects of our role but it's particularly when in a leadership position we've obviously just talked about um leadership um is recognizing that you do have um gaps or weaknesses and it's plugging and pulling other people in that can fill those um gaps and recognizing that and that hopefully that's what I've tried to do over the over the years like I suffer with imposter syndrome and um, you know or have for a long time and particularly when like this year for example has been a really tough market tough year it's been tough for a lot of people a lot of businesses and um, you know I have moments when because we are experiencing such a tough time um, in the market I do have times when I'm like can I actually still do this? Um, am I any good at this? But you see, it, for me, I find that really surprising because you're what you're one of the few people that I would trust in the marketplace. Fantastic. So we touched on your MBO, um, MBO, MBA earlier, um, and um, I think you said to us before that, like um, as you said earlier, that it had quite a huge impact, a positive impact um, on your confidence and the way that you do combat imposter syndrome. So it'd be, it'd be good if you could tell us in more detail um, about that and, and where 
or what you learned from that experience and how that's positively impacted your journey? Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to uh, the point I made earlier about discovering who I was, yeah. who I was as a leader, I mean, that, that was one of the, the first modules that I did at, at the MBA. But I think the, the biggest thing that it did for me is it, is it, is it silenced my inner critic. I left school uh, and I went into nursing. I was never originally oh, uh, really? an IT person. I was never mm -hmm. a geek when I was growing up. Um, so I didn't leave school with A-levels. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I went into nursing in London and after two and a half years I left nursing. I failed my nursing part three. So the only thing I've ever had to my name qualifications wise was my GCSE. So I've never had anything to make me stand out. And that had been sort of reinforced to me by previous um, I would say employers, prospective employers, when I've been interviewed, I've been told, you're good, but you've got nothing that, make, that gives you that edge. You, 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 need to, you need to bring something more you know, than, than who you are. Uh, and that I always felt was disappointing because I, you know, I work hard. Mm. I think we all work hard in our job, but if that's not being recognised and not being seen by, by prospective employers, you're kind of going, what more can I do? What more can I do? Um, and... For me, doing the MBA not. showed that not only I can, and I did, but I did it to a level that far exceeded my expectations. You know, I would have been happy just to have passed, but I, I ended up with a distinction in my MBA, and that was because wow. I consistently achieved this sort of seventy percent or thereabouts on yeah. all my modules. I never expected to do that for someone who's never never went to university. Don't have, don't have an undergraduate degree. I had to bring my GCSE math certificate to show that I had that for, in order to do the masters, uh, and it was ju it was just a, a basically one of my previous IT directors said I had this chip on my block, chip on my shoulder, <laughs> chip on my block, chip on my shoulder from not having any professional qualifications, and he was right. Mm. And for me achieving that at the level that I did and I'm really really proud of it because I never expected to do it. Ah, it's amazing it's a fantastic achievement um, particularly I'm assuming that you were juggling a full-time role at the yeah. same time. I was I was doing it as a degree apprenticeship right so um, it was meant to be I say meant to be one day a week in college or studying yeah. four days a week as uh, head of change delivery as it was at Leeds Beckett University um, it was more half a day studying um, and the rest of the time doing my job uh, and evenings and, and weekends, and weekends. Um, but then I think one of the things that probably happened in my favour was lockdown because mm. we couldn't go anywhere we couldn't do anything so we studied uh, and it was an interesting learning experience learning remotely yeah, particularly as they switched all the learning to online yeah. and we carried that through to the end we'd only done two modules in person right um so in in that respect i knew doing the masters i was going to have to give up my own time anyway and i timed it with my personal circumstances mm -hmm. at home um the my other stepdaughter was leaving home so i knew i was going to have more time to fill um i just didn't realize quite how much time we were going to have to fill mm -hmm. in the end um, but yeah, it worked. It worked for me. Fantastic. So from a confidence um, point of view and imposter syndrome, what did you t what specifically did you take from that experience? Like obviously um, you talked about having that uh, uh, director that you acknowledged on that made you sort of become aware of a chip on your shoulder. Yep. Um, so obviously that would have been a big kind of 
tick, tick and yeah. yeah. Um, and I should imagine that gave you more confidence when you were um, in interview situations yeah. or applying for promotions, etc. Um, how was there anything else about doing the MBO that MBA that you think? Well, I, for me, it was being able to bring all my different experiences from different companies. Yeah. Um, and apply them to the theory that we were being taught and understanding why things worked and why things didn't work. Because I've, I've always been able to say, I've been successful at that, but not explain why. Yeah. Uh, and and then actually working with uh, the rest of the cohort, I worked with some fantastic people, you know, people that I've been to class as friends for the rest of my life that I would never have normally mm. um, associated with. Uh, and realising that their perspective of me and my role um, it's pretty much how I saw them in their role as well. Uh, was different again to how I was seeing myself. So again, talking in the classroom. You do. You never see yeah. you like you see others in such a more of a positive light for doing similar things or a similar role than you see yourself, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Ab- like absolutely, that's such a common um, theme. I think particularly within within women, within yeah. females. Yeah, and you asked earlier. You know, what's what are the things that you do to cope? I've learnt and one of the things I would recommend to anyone stop comparing yourself to everyone else you know stop scroll I mean it it used to really get me down even on LinkedIn never mind social media you know just scrolling going oh look you know so and so has got promoted and so and so is going here why is that not happening just stop it (laughs) do you know what I I absolutely hear you on that and I'm exactly the same like I just I see LinkedIn now as social media for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in my in my network and line of um, work within um, transition partners, we're heavily like involved in posting on LinkedIn or the events and things that we do. But I, I get that, like I get that so often. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm terrible as it is for comparing myself anyway, and um, you know, and I'll I'll sometimes I'll get stuck in that rut of on an evening mindlessly scrolling through LinkedIn and if I see something that like a competitor's doing or any or even yeah. just any company and I'm just like look at and I, and I sit and I stare at it and, and and then it really winds me up and it shouldn't it yeah. shouldn't wind me up as much as it it does because we also we also produce great content we also produce yes. some like amazing events and things like that so it really shouldn't but then there's times when at the same time i'm like but actually i'm really pleased for them i'm really pleased that you know yeah. that, that it's so it just change, really hard to change, change that narrative so i had i literally had to take a step away from linkedin and go right i'm not looking at it i'm not yeah. doom scrolling anymore i'm not looking at what's happening elsewhere take that break and then when you come back to it it was very much a case of right i'm going to come into it and i'm going to be positive so i celebrate when and have a different promotion. mindset yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, people yeah. get promotion, get great on you, you know, well deserved yeah. and stuff. Celebrate yeah. everything, and you start to change that, you know, that psyche in, in your brain. Absolutely, and I've done that again as well recently. That um, oh, I can't remember the name of the business. Is it G Digital? I don't know if you've heard of G Digital. Um, and um, the owner hosted an amazing event recently, and I saw it all over LinkedIn. Um, and um, she did something a little bit different with it, and. And I've had um, various people in my network posting um, about like positive feedback that other people had written yes. about one another. I don't I've know seen, if you I've went or post. if you've seen no, it. No, 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 I didn't go, but I saw the post. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's what? a case Rather of you looking at it going, 
why am I, why 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 haven't I engaged with that or what, yeah. what you know what's what's go what's going on? I was exactly the same, and I was like, do you know what? Rather than looking at it from a point of view of why didn't I think of that? Why didn't we do something mm-hmm. like that? You know, and feeling that kind of and doing that com you know comparing um, thing. I looked at it and I thought that's brilliant and that's really nice that and it's it's lovely that you know she's made a difference and impacted positively other people's lives. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was was really nice. So it is absolutely is that mindset thing, but it's I find that it's something that you have to consistently work on. Yeah. Um, and it's training your mind consistently, um, because otherwise it's easy to fall back into bad habits yes. and routines as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, fantastic. So I chucked this question in for you at the end. We were chatting earlier, weren't we? So I'm hoping you're okay with it. Um, we can we can both have a chat about it together. So I think what's really um, what be really useful to share with the listeners is um, how um, a lot of imposter syndrome has developed within people um, via the community and their workplaces, mm-hmm. um, and it could all be down to one person or a company's culture, all sorts of um, you know sort of different reasons, but. How do you think they can, you know, owners or business owners, leaders in our community, what do you think that they can do um, to mitigate imposter syndrome? Like what tools or processes or practices do you think they could adopt to mitigate it? I think much like so many other topics that are coming into the workplace now, like there's just some fantastic work happening about menopause in the workplace. Mm-hmm. We need to be much more open about imposter syndrome. And we need to be able to talk about it at work uh, as freely as we do about mental health because it is so closely tied to that as well. It oh, is absolutely. It's it, yeah. you know it, they you know they're they're they're, they're interlinked, and we all think we are the only person with imposter syndrome, but we're not. Um, and being able to talk to people, you know, I, I know so much of my own um, issues come from. What other people? What I think other people think yeah, of me. Same here. And by talking about it, you come, you break down those walls, because you start to find out that what people think of you is not at all what you think. What they you think, think of they you. Think, yeah. Yeah. So what? I mean, oh, you asked about real life example. Okay. Mm-hmm. I went into my probation, uh, end of probation interview with my boss. Have absolutely zero issues with my boss absolutely convinced he was going to give me my marching orders because I was I was thinking I was going to fail and I went into that and I said right okay so how, how much notice have you got to give me and he was kind of going no he says I know you have imposter syndrome but you're you know you are doing great at your job you do not have any issue with what you're doing mm. and I think that being able to talk about it is what's brought me to you Mm-hmm. Being able to talk about it breaks down those rules, breaks down those perceptions that you think other people have of you, and in doing so, you change the narrative. You change actually what your brain is telling you, uh, and it becomes slightly less of a of a of a, what I call my imposter monster. I'm not feeding it quite so much. Yeah. So um, it's in order to change work, we just have to be open, mm-hmm. and and I think. Until we start doing that, tools, practices, you know, anyone can go away and read books and, and learn about how they want to be able to, to change their own narrative. 
Um, but we have to start being honest with each other about it. And how do you, um, what, what do you think businesses could do to support um, people being more open? Because I absolutely agree and I think the best thing to do is to be open, honest, talk about these things. Um, you know, talking about these things never has a negative impact of red, or it shouldn't really have a negative impact. Um, but I think anyone that does suffer from, a lot of people suffer in silence, a lot of people don't talk about it, and a lot of people feel like they can't talk about it or they're not in an environment or feel comfortable in their environment to be able to talk to talk about it. Um, and I think you've just raised a really good point there that your boss straight away knew that you had imposter syndrome. So you've obviously been open with your mm. boss and you've talked to your boss about it. What did you did your boss do something differently to enable you to feel like you could be open? Or Chris has an awful lot of emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, and I totally get why some people don't talk about their challenges with their bosses, because I've been in that env environment myself yeah. where you um, are working for someone and everything that they say you can take back take in as, as being a negative and you know they don't they don't appreciate what you're doing they don't um understand what you're doing they don't understand what you're trying to do with your team um and you have to um you've got one of two options leave or find someone else to talk to mm. okay because and, and both of those can work because finding someone else to talk to helps you realize that the issue isn't just with you okay and leave it just changes your environment in the first place um and maybe that's great for yourself as a as a recruitment consultant you can have a bunch of people going hi i'm working in a lousy environment here and i need <laughs> to change um but you know it is it is very different you know as as leaders we have a responsibility whether or not we've got line management responsibility but we've got a responsibility to those that we lead and those that we mm -hmm. work with and I think we have to be open to the fact that people are going to come to us with some of those difficult questions, and some difficult questions, different difficult scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was open to it at the time. Mm. Um, he was still he's still open to it. You know that's that's not that's not changed at all. But I appreciate not everyone has that. So it's about finding who you can talk to within your network. Mm. Um, it could be someone in your department, outside of your department. It could be someone that's not actually working with you in your company. It could be your best friend talk to them because I can promise you they are going through the same yeah absolutely I agree and I think there's a lot of there's a lot said for talking to people and um, perhaps that even in your own organization externally like that we've got such a good strong community in Leeds within tech and digital there's so many people that are there for each other yes. within the community that are always more than happy to talk and be a sounding board offer advice um, so absolutely I'd advise any of our listeners to if they are suffering just to talk um, and um, I'm sure you'd be, I'm offering you up here now but I'm sure you'd be open to oh, um, being there for anyone or just to you know just to have a, a listen um, and um, yeah finally last question is is there any additional tips or advice that you would want to what do you want to leave on um, that you'd give to our listeners so for me, I think there are there are three key things. Yeah. One, um, find your sense of inner calm. 
because when you are in that situation where you are questioning whether or not you can do something, mm. a lot of that is the sort of almost like the panic response, fight or flight. Take your time out, breathe. If you do yoga, great, fantastic. Adopt some of the yoga breathing. Breath workshops. Yes. Um, I've done two in the last couple of months, and um, I cannot recommend them enough. Yeah. And that's yeah, really good to kind of calm you. Yeah, because if, if you can calm your brain, you can yeah. calm your, your panic response, um, you will find that you start to look at things more objectively. Yeah. You start to question, why am I thinking that? Okay. The second point, I, would, I wrote these down, you see, um, is, to be, is to challenge your own inner critic. You know, so this follows on. Calm first, mm. then apply logic and reason. Why are you thinking like that? Is it because someone said to you eight years ago, this is, you know, this is not enough, good, you know, good enough. Or have you actually been able to do enough since then to sit there and go, right, actually, I know I can do this. Mm. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I've got all this transferable skill. You know, I've been able to present in conferences in Orlando. You know, something I never thought I'd be able to do. Wow. Uh, and and I, I listen back to it and go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I, do you know what? I hear you on that as well. So I um, I don't know if you know this. Do you know, you know, did you know, do you know I gave up drinking for a year? No. Um, yeah, so, um, but prior to that, every time I ran a networking event or I spoke at an, an event, and even these podcasts, I used to get so, so nervous. And it used to have at least, I had to have at least a, a glass or two of wine. Um, and then I stopped drinking. And during that year, I didn't have a choice but to just get on with it without any alcohol. Yeah. Um, and it's, and now I've, you know, kind of have a drink here or there. I'm not a massive drinker anymore. But um, I don't, I could have a drink now at an event if I wanted to. And like the event that, um, that you attended our last event at Leeds Digital Festival. Um, I was really nervous that night. Mm -hmm. Didn't have a drink, I just had water. Um, but my nerve levels are so different now to what they were. And it's just like amazing because I don't have anything but my mind and my experience to calm me down. Because before it was alcohol and I don't drink now at yeah. an event. It's yeah. just mental. It's almost like retuning, isn't it? It's retuning your engine, retuning yeah. your brain to different yeah. levels so that you know um, in that situation you can respond calmly and measured. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, I'm sorry, I put it in no, there. No, 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 it's fine. No, it's good, it's good. Um, yeah, so I was saying, you know, challenging that inner in, in, in critic. Yeah. You know, why are you thinking that? You know, are you just overplaying you know, in your, in, in your own world, uh, or is there any legitimate truth in there? And if so, what can you do to address that? What can you do in the here and now? Yeah, well, you know, what, yeah. what, you know, what, yeah. what, what, what do you do to, to, to improve that in the future? And the, the, the second thing, oh, sorry, the second thing, the third the thing, thing is, yeah. um, mentioned earlier, stop comparing yourself to others. Stop that doom scrolling. Such a huge one, that is. You it? do you. Your yeah. path is your own. You know, and and I, you know, you sit there and go, oh, I've got, a, you know, I've had a fantastic career. I have to look at that from your perspective and go, yeah, I've had a fantastic career. Every job that I've changed, every time I've changed company, it's because I've moved up. Mm. You know, uh, and it's because I've taken on a different challenge, a different sector, a different environment, um, and I've worked out that's what kind of what makes me ticked. When I get bored, that's when I start looking elsewhere. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, you do you. 
Fantastic. Brilliant. Great. Well, I, um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I really appreciate your time. It was really interesting um, to talk about your time.